there are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Welcome back to the show. It is Hi-Fi Radio. Hope your Saturday is off to a good start. Wolfgang Klein, your host, the show about money, Jack Hartle. Co-host of the show, um, we're going to get a little heady today, folks. We uh, got some big brains in studio. Uh, we'll open up with uh, <coughs> Philip Peterson. He's a chief investment strategist with Manulife Investments. Uh, presented to Jack and I uh, a slide deck uh, of charts, history, looking back, and of course, uh, hypothesizing on the future. Uh, Phil, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. It is a real pleasure. So, uh, again, going through your slide deck, we can let's start with Canada first and foremost. Um, the Canadian economy, the Canadian stock market. Uh, I don't know if there's a disconnect there, but the, the Canadian stock market is certainly outperforming other stock markets on a year-to-date basis. Uh, the Canadian economy looks like it's getting a little softer, and it's also being reflected in the Canadian uh, currency itself. Uh, so... Where is Canada in the economic cycle? And from an investor point of view, how do you think investors should be positioned in 2019? Well, that's a great question. And, and uh, we would say from an economic perspective that the Canadian economy has passed its peak. Uh, a number of things uh, are telling us that. But certainly the fourth quarter economic data, there wasn't really anything to like in that fourth quarter GDP report that we got out of Canada. Business investment down double digits uh, on an annualized basis. Construction down double digits on an annualized basis. Consumption, consumer consumption was very, very flat. And uh, trade, while it looked like it improved, it improved for the wrong reasons. So uh, net exports were up, but exports were down. Uh, imports were down by more. So both categories down. So the, the math of it made it look better than it was, but nothing really good there. So we would suggest that Canada... Uh, has more of a recession risk in 2019 than we, we would see in the United States. We would put that number at about 50%. Now, when people hear that, immediately they might think, oh, that's got to be bad for the TSX, that's bad for the equity market, but the two are not correlated. Uh, the two are very different. Our equity market seems to be more globally focused than domestically focused. There are domestic companies or domestically focused companies that uh, we expect will underperform. But to your point, in terms of the TSX outperforming in the first quarter of the year, yeah, and, and it, we're not surprised by that. We weren't surprised by that uh, because Canada was coming into 2019 very attractive from a valuation level. Going forward, though, yeah, I think it's going to be much more in line from a, a performance perspective. But what investors should perhaps take away from the weaker economic data that we expect to persist in Canada is that the Bank of Canada is unlikely to raise rates through 2019. And if anything, they're probably going to be cutting rates. And so that means that we're probably going to see a little bit more downside pressure on the Canadian dollar. Uh, our target is around 73 cents, but the risk perhaps is a little bit more towards the downside. If you're just tuning into Hi-Fi Radio, I'm Wolfgang Klein, the host of the show, Jack Hartle in studio to help us help you with your money. Uh, we have Phil Peterson uh, in studio. He's a chief investment strategist with uh, Main Life Investments. So he really is the go-to guy. He sits at the top of the food chain within that little company of Manulife uh, and all the portfolio managers, uh, which Jack and I both are, uh, lean on Phil for a global macro point of view, the big picture. Uh, but Phil is starting to bring me down a little bit. He thinks Canada has a 50% chance of going into recession in the next 12 months, less so in the United States. Uh, Jack and I have been under, underweight the Canadian market, overweight the U.S. market for years, and we continue 
to be overweight the U.S. stock market. Um, again, we have Tony Dwyer coming on uh, on air uh, in a little bit, and it, it's nice to have the two of you juxtaposed because I think that I see similarities with what you're saying and what Tony's saying, and I see some differences between what you're saying and Tony's saying. I'm going to start with Tony because when he comes on air in a bit, he's going to say to listeners, from this point in time, with the yield curve, and again, most listeners don't understand what the yield curve is, but it's basically the difference between short-term interest rates and long-term interest rates. And as long as a bank can make money lending you money, they will do so. But if short-term interest rates, i.e. what they pay at the deposit, is greater than what they can get on a loan or a five-year mortgage, they won't make the trade. So Tony says, don't worry about the yield curve as much because you still have about an 18-month runway in front of you because what's called shadow banking kicks in, which very well could be your your, your very own uh, Manulife bond funds, Jack, would categorize as shadow banking, correct? They could potentially, I guess, have some fixed income shadow banking portion of it for sure. Correct. So so, so shadow bankers, there's lots of money in the system, lots of liquidity in the system. Uh, you don't go into recession when money is fluid. Um, so I want you to speak to that. Well, I would agree with that uh, viewpoint. You know, the the yield curve, everyone focuses on the yield curve so much so that uh, we perhaps forget about uh, the other indicators that need to happen or the other things that need to happen in order for a recession follow through to emerge. Mm -hmm. And so when when we talk about the inverted yield curve, it's one dot of a big picture. But, but, but that, that seems to be the key dot. If you're going to follow strategies. one indicator, if you're going to turn off all the economists out there, because a lot of economists tend to you know, be wrong, uh, just like the weatherman, they're not always right. But if you're going to look at one factor, I would say the yield curve would probably be the granddaddy you're going to look like, at. It seems to be the granddaddy this time. And I, I, I'm sort of an economist, not really studied it, but I think that uh, I could have probably saved four years of my education by just maybe studying the yield curve a little tighter. <laughs> Absolutely. I would agree with that. I would say that the if there is one... Uh, indicator that has been very, very good at predicting recessions. It has been the yield curve, you know, very few false positives. And you're actually, we can debate whether this one is a false positive, but you don't know until well after the fact. So then we have to focus on the longevity of the bull market from the inversion of the yield curve to the, the peak, which will be some point into the recession. When is that going to come? So you commented that uh, from inversion, you usually have about 18 months. I would agree with that. But the question we have to ask ourselves is when is too early to start moving defensively? And in fact, the work that we would suggest is that if we are 18 months, 24 months away from a recession, it's not too early now to think about positioning your portfolio defensively because while equities rally, bonds rally at the same time. Perhaps, except interest rates go up, bonds go down, although we're talking rates lowering, so that game could have changed as well. Uh, Phil Peterson, Chief Investment Strategist with Main Life Investments, big brain, big ideas. He certainly can give you some, uh, I think, solace and guidance uh, with managing money. You want to stay tuned to Hi-Fi Radio. More of it right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. C-A-N-A-D-A. -A -A. Tell me, what's a Douglas fur? C-A-N-A-D-A. -A -A. Bet you never heard a bobcat purr. C-A-N-A-D-A. -A -A. Have you ever seen a lobster crawl? In Canada, they get to see them all. Welcome back to the show. It is Hi-Fi Radio. Uh... We have in studio Phil Peterson. He's the chief investment strategist with Manulife Investments, and he's throwing some, uh, I wouldn't say cold water, he's throwing some water on the Canadian economy. He thinks basically we have a good chance of going into a recession in the next uh, half year. He also says, well, it's not too late to get defensive right here, right now. Uh, again, 
in a, in a couple of minutes, we're going to bring Tony Dwyer on air, and Tony Dwyer is going to say, uh, when the yield curve inverts, it's a buy signal for equities. That's what makes the market, my good friends. You have people who believe in, in, in that the future is somewhat optimistic, and you can therefore buy, and others who say get defensive and protect yourself. Uh, again, working for an insurance company makes sense that you would take the more defensive approach. I, I think it's part of the DNA, I think, isn't it? Well, I, perhaps, but that doesn't bias me one way or the other. We're always looking for the best way to, to make money, That answering the question, how do we make money in this market? And sometimes the best way to make money is to minimize your losses. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Pat, or excuse me, Phil, and Jack knows this, uh, and Pierre, of course, our wholesaler at Main Life, gracious enough to uh, connect us with uh, Phil. Uh, I'm on a, uh, a new uh, mantra, and it's, it's a mantra of compounding. Um, Canadians don't save enough money. Uh, you know that, and I know that. They need to save money, and they need to start early, and they need to consistently save money. And buying indexes, which I, I don't do a whole lot of, but does make sense uh, for the passive investor. Uh, the long-term compounded return of the market is staggering. Uh, the S&P 500 is compounded at 14%, the small cap index at 14% since 1950. The large cap U.S. market is compounded at 12% since 1950. Uh, Canadian investors have so fallen short of those rates of returns for umpteen reasons. Uh, and, you know, I'm coming to a, a new realization, and Jack and I are on this one here, is negative versus positive talk. Tony Dwyer said on Wall Street, if you want to look intelligent on Wall Street, say something negative. People will laugh at you almost under their breath if you're going to be an optimist on Wall Street. That's too common. Tell me something negative. And, and, and then people's attention lights up and away they go. I like to deal in the world of realism, not being an optimist or a pessimist. Uh, but when I look at out the streets of Toronto, I look at the cranes in the sky, I see a relatively stable currency that mirrors the Australian current currency. Globally, we got some weakness in, in, in Europe. And the American economy continues to hover around. But the one thing that seems to stand out to me as a concern, the biggest concern I have is, is with the debt levels of Canadian consumers versus American consumers. They are going in the opposite direction. It was, a, it was that American who loved debt, always take on more debt as long as you can service it. But the Americans have gone the other way since the financial crises, perhaps or not. Jack has a point on that I wanted to share with us, i.e., Put it over to, to the, uh, the. I think that they've the just shifted. The, I think they've shifted the amount of debt. But the the fact that you talk about Wolfgang is that the, you say Canadians don't save enough. Right now, where debt to income is like 170 percent, that is above where the the Americans were the before crisis. the 2008 Correct. financial crisis. So not only are we not saving, we've got interest rates working against us. We'll, we'll see how it works out. But if you get into a recession in Canada. It's not going to look very pretty. Yeah, so I want you to speak to that, Pat. Uh, excuse me, Phil. Uh, in terms of the uh, the debt service versus the the, the, the nominal amount of debt, um, how's that going to play out for yeah, Canadians? It, it's it's a challenge. I would say not only do we not have a savings rate, we have a dis-savings rate in that uh, Canadians have been accumulating much more debt. Uh, and it was not a problem when interest rates were falling. So when the Bank of Canada was cutting rates and keeping rates low, you can take on more debt, and your debt service ratio stays the same. Or what that means is, you know, the pennies on the dollar that each month that goes to pay the principal and interest stays the same and hadn't changed. So there wasn't any increased burden on the consumer until now. You've had the Bank of Canada raise rates five times. You've had that debt service ratio hockey stick up, and now it's costing Canadians more. And we're seeing this in terms of consumption habits. So auto sales are down. They've been down for most of the last year in Canada. And now that's, you know, we call it, we joke, it's the Camry in the coal mine, right? This is what uh, it is telling us that the consumer is tapped out. Mm -hmm. uh, we are overburdened in debt at a time when interest rates are going up. 
at a time also in the Canadian economy when the energy sector continues to suffer. So we've got two things working against us, these two areas of growth uh, or drivers of growth over the last 10 years that are going in the wrong direction. Uh, it does mean, I think, that the res- recession risks are higher. It's, it's going to be compounded by a weaker consumer, that we have to go through a deleveraging process that the Americans went through from 2009 through 2000, probably about 14, even, or perhaps even to today. Um, and and this is what can trigger uh, or or extend a recession in Canada that we might not otherwise see in the United States. Okay. So, so the rece- sorry, the recession that you see then it's internal you're seeing within Canada, or is it because the the global markets are slowing down? So Europe is slowing, uh, China is slowing. There's still- China's accelerating. I think the the Asian markets are the, those five that Tony talked about today. They're actually ticking higher. The, the Shanghai is up year to date. It, it, it's ripping. Brazil is ripping this year. So the, but, the but you don't have that sync- you don't have are- that synchronized growth uh, right, globally right, exactly. that we had. Last year, which was good for Canada. That'd probably be better, wouldn't it be? So it it would help, but I mean, the the, uh, Canadian recession is likely to be Canadian-made. It's not going to be an offshoot of what's happening globally. Right. Uh, Globally, what we're seeing is the economic data is slowing down. Sure. You know, we're not seeing uh, really any kind of acceleration anywhere around the world. Markets are going the other way. Markets have accelerated, but the equity guys, you know, tend to be more optimistic than pessimistic. Um, where why are the bond markets rallying as strongly as they are this year is because the bond markets are pricing an economic reality of a global slowdown. So in terms of the bond market, let's, let's take then, because bond markets are all about interest rates. Um, Canaccord was first to the, out of the gate, according to Dwyer, Back they were December, back in December. They were calling. The they were saying they're going to cut interest rates, and and that was so not in the cards. And and sure enough, sure is. And it was well. Up. It was being it was being priced into the market in the euro dollar, which our Canaccord follows. And yes. we have Brian Reynolds was helping us out with that. And he said, you know what? Not only is the Fed not going to raise rates in 2019, they said they're going to cut. And at the time. People were laughing at them. People could because the Fed just was continuing their rate hike, and they were very hawkish. And basically, they flipped on a coin. And we'll see what happens in 2019, whether or not they cut. But they have been a lot more accommodative, that's for sure. But again, they, they, when interest rates go down, equity markets often rally, and certainly bonds go up. So uh, I'm going to stay on with this here. We're, we're going to pay some bills around here. Go to commercial break. Get right back with Phil Peterson, chief investment strategist with Manny Life Investments. You are listening to Hi-Fi Radio. More of it right after this. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show. It is Hi-Fi Radio. Yes, it is the year of Queen, I guess. Uh, magic. The magic on Bay Street, the magic on Wall Street, uh, the magic that Albert Einstein spoke about, the eighth wonder of the world is a factor or concept called compounding your money. Compounding your money, my good friends, means you start to save very young and you continue to save for decades, 20, 30, 40 years. Magic occurs. I promise you magic if you do this after about 25 years of saving, an inflection point occurs. After 25 years of saving on various plans, be it saving $100,000, leave it alone for 25 years, it'll be close to a million, to if you wanna save a thousand bucks a month, uh, you start at a young age, after about 25 years, it turns out to be a million. Uh, Within a short period of time, that one million turns into two and it turns into three. It's called the point of inflection. It's very, very important. Now, that leads me to my next point. Our guest, 
um, Phil Peterson, Chief Investment Strategist with Manulife. He's suggesting you get defensive and change strategy. He wants to protect you and help you. Jack and I and Tony are saying we probably got two more years of runway. All of this makes a market. The history of the market is something that uh, Phil knows very, very well. And he gave us some good information on the history of the market in terms of how much markets can fall, what causes markets to fall. But I go back to, if you can close your eyes and be Rip Van Winkle, which you can't, but if you could just close your eyes and wake up in 50 years, I suggest the markets are going to grow or compound at a similar rate to that they have been. And a passive approach to that individual who has the ability to do nothing but continue on plan will probably beat all of us in the studio. I really believe they'll beat every one of us. But trying to flip around and go to bonds, go to... I've done it. I've tried it. It is tough, 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 tough. So uh, you think we should shift and get defensive here, Phil? How much stock should we sell? And therefore, how much bonds should we buy? And what type of bonds? 30-year bonds, one-year bonds, GICs, corporates, global, because if the bond universe is ginormous... So let's start with uh, what we are suggesting inside of our model portfolio. Uh, we're not going whole hog defensive at this point, but we are starting to take back our equity weight. So we've been overweight equities. We've been bullish on equities for the last number of years. Uh, and we're scaling that back to a neutral position, neutral being 60-40, 60% equity, 40% fixed income. I, I want to stop you right there. I, I want to stop you right there because that's a funny number, 60-40. Because we had a uh, person sit down with our financial planner, and that individual went to Wealth Simple, and that person was pretty mobile, making very good money, and 30 years of age. And they answered the questionnaire, and a year and a half ago, Well Simple put them in a 60-40 plan. And I go back to the Queen song, Magic. I go back to the history of the stock market versus the history of the bond market. And I think a 30-year-old, even if they began at these levels. Well, they're also starting with no money too, right? So they're, they're starting and they're going to be dollar cost averaging. Right. If we get a recession, That's it, the second it, part it, it's magic. actually a good thing for this young 30-year-old, right? So the, you take on the risk. Yeah, so the opportunity cost of being too defensive for a young investor, um, especially when you have no money and you're just starting to compound, it is very important that you make sure that you you don't want to be hyper aggressive. You don't want to buy junk. You want to buy good quality businesses. You just buy the S and P five hundred. But you want to let time compound for you. Let it do the heavy lifting because if you don't, you don't start saving early. You start saving at the end when you're fifty. You have to do the power saving uh, model that we talked about, Wolfgang, and that's where you're doing the heavy lifting as opposed to time doing the heavy lifting for you. It, it, that's what it's all about. So. Uh, in terms of mo model, you, 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 were, you were overweight equity. What does that mean? How much overweight? Like well, you, we, you're 60, 40 now. Where were you? Right. We were as high as 70% equity, 30% fixed income. And that's, that's about as high as we'll go. Now, why 60, 40? It's because historically 60, 40 is the optimal mix to maximize return per unit of risk that you're going to take Yeah, the Marquis right? theory. Right? Exactly. And that's uh, historically been that number. So we start with that as a typical uh, balanced investor. Um, now, it, it, that mix can be different for every everyone uh, in the room. However, what we would suggest is whatever your neutral asset mix is, bring it back to neutral. But we think over the course of this year, uh, over the course of the next two years, we'll be further reducing our equity weight. Now, where do we go? We'd probably start with high-yield bonds. Why high-yield bonds? Because high-yield bonds historically during So you would be purchasing them? We would be. We would be, be buying high yield. That we right? would be buying high yield. We would be shifting from equity into high yield. So when you look at recessionary periods and bear you'd be, markets, you'd be selling stock to buy. I'm going to tell say, tell the audience your word: junk bonds, below investment grade bonds. Yeah, blue you want chips to call them for junk? junk bonds. I'm just wow, playing with that's you. assuming that every equity is a blue chip. But no, those bonds you're talking about, the, the proper phrase for those bonds is junk. That, that, that's what we would must below double B. Correct. Uh, below triple B. So double B and lower. Yes. Below triple B. Excuse now, me. Now here's why. Here's why. 
uh, junk bonds, I would argue, have the, effectively the same credit quality as equities. And in fact, when you look at better. it, they have less, uh, yeah, they the same, if not better, better right? Yeah. And you can actually see better because during a recession, during a bear market, bond, junk bonds, high yield bonds tend to capture only 50% of the downside. But at the inflection point, what's the upside? on bonds versus equity, one-to-one. -one. You get hey, capture 100% of the equity upside, but only half or less of the downside. Hey, Jack, but that's what, exactly what Jack and I did uh, in 2009. 2008, we, yep. 2009 we did. We had a lot of cash coming. Uh, in 08, we began raising cash. In 09, we had about a 50% cash weight. We were nervous, like everyone else. Uh, but our first foray into markets was actually debt, high-yield debt. But back then, junk was paying 9%, 10%. Today, junk's paying 4%. Um, well, my good friend Phil, guess what? We're at a time. But that's okay. It went fast, eh? It was a pleasure. Fast and furious. It was a pleasure. Uh, you've been listening to uh, Phil Peterson. He's the chief investment strategist at Manulife Investments. Uh, it's a real pleasure uh, to speak with you. It uh, really, really is. Coming up next, uh, our chief investment strategist, Mr. Tony Dwyer, the biggest bull on Wall Street, uh, and for very good reason. He's been right for basically the last eight or nine years. So uh, I think the trend remains your friend. But we'll talk more about Tony uh, right after this. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, money. more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. And the sun went down As across the hill And the town lit up The world got still Welcome back to the show. It is Hi-Fi Radio. An absolute pleasure uh, for Jack and I to have Tony Dwyer live in studio. The man came from Wall Street all the way up here to Toronto just to be with Jack and I. Uh, well, actually, going to a retirement party, and he meant to slide us into his busy, busy Wall Street schedule. So, Tony, I can't thank you enough for joining Jack and I. You're a regular guest on Hi-Fi. Um, Jack's dad's a big fan, so... Uh, Jack's dad's going to be happy. Listening <laughs> yeah, to he'll be really happy. Well, well, guys, I've always been told that I have a face for radio, so here I am. Come on, you handsome guy. <laughs> I see you up on CNBC and they look good, man. They just take the sheen off that head of yours. And BNN. You Don't amazing. forget, we're up here in Canada. Pardon me? Yes. And BNN. Yep, and BNN. Well, but... they, they take it easy on you on BNN. CNBC, though, they're pretty tough, those guys. Good. You know, yeah. I like it that way. That way, you, you know, the audience and the viewer gets an actual opinion versus, you know, just a softball kind of silliness. All right, my good friend. So a couple of points I want to raise with you, Tony, is, um, A, I've been uh, going on the John Oakley show. It's a, the afternoon drive show uh, on uh, AM640 or Global News Radio 640 in Toronto, the Oakley show. And, but Oakley only invites me on when there is a crisis, when the world's coming to an end, if it's a Boeing crash or the market's down. He brings me on. Uh, and I'm an old ad man. And they learned in advertising, in print advertising, it's funny, on, on our way down, we should just point you out to the Toronto Star building. Um, the Toronto Star learned 100 years ago, Tony, they will sell more newspapers with a negative headline. And as such, negative sells, period. Uh, we, are, we as a people are attracted to negative. Um, so that's my first point. My second point then is our last guest, of course, came with a bit of a negative message, i.e. Canada has a 50% chance of going into a recession in the next uh, 12 months. And I said, well, Tony thinks we got ourselves still a good couple years of runway. And uh, the investment strategist remained. I said, well, you might as well take some chips off the table. Um, you think from here, the market has 
a good chance of rising based on historical facts, because you're a fact guy. You've mined the data, Tony. You think the stock market can go up another 20% from today's levels, which means make a new all-time high before it rolls over. I love the way you phrase that, Wolfie, because it's not, I don't think, if you ever hear one of us come on and say our opinion without any kind of evidence to support the opinion, you should turn it off. And that's really what I go by. I, You know, when you look at periods of economic recession or stock market, significant and sustainable declines, and listen, obviously, based on the fourth quarter, you can go down a lot. I, I would have never thought we would have been down 20%. Mm-hmm. We were due for a correction, but I didn't think it'd be that big a correction. I think the mistake that investors make is they feed into that weakness before there is real signs of an economic uh, recession and negative the, period. Big time. They just follow. It's just this herd mentality. I think, again, people are speaking about the machines, the machines controlling the market. Again, this, this really is Bay Street talk, folks. But again, you know, we know the world is automated. We know computers and programs drive a lot of things. So they, they've been speaking about that on Wall Street for some time now that the machines take over, which are pre-programmed machines to buy and sell at various technical levels. And so when the market was puking at Christmas, the, the December, the machines were pushing the market lower. And I said, you watch. There will be an inflection point and then the machines will buy. No one spoke about the machines buying, but do you not agree no, with me? They, they the the buy programs kick in as much as the sell programs kick in. I think blaming the machines is the wrong way to go. I agree. I, I think blaming the regulators that created an environment where the machines could dictate and dominate activity is probably where this went sideways. For example, decimalization. Everybody loved that. It costs less of a, to buy a stock. Um, it was great for the retail investor. The only problem is it removed the profitability of specialists and market makers so they don't exist in mass anymore. And then you take the 08 response, which was the Volcker rule, which uh, allows it so that banks can no longer trade for their own account. And there goes another source of potential bidder supplies. So you've got an environment where when you're in a fast market in either direction, it really doesn't mean anything. It just means that there's no structure and you don't feed into it. And I think that's the most important thing I can convey to listeners isn't necessarily what should happen or what's going to happen. It's to understand that sometimes the market just isn't telling you anything. So even now it's more dangerous, I think what Tony is saying, with a lot of this regulation that's been put in, uh, because of 08 and, and various issues that we've had in the market, the natural stabilizers, the natural buyers and the natural sellers that smooth out the overall returns of the market, they're just not present anymore. So you get That's more right. volatility in it, especially for a retail investor. The people that we deal with, it, it could be treacherous because it really it affects their emotions and behavioral to their detriment. Well, it that's does. why you guys exist. So I think this is important. Why Why wouldn't you just... The problem when you don't have somebody that knows your characteristics, your behavioral patterns, the problem is that people feed into it inappropriately expecting that it's telling them something that it's not. And that sounds like a lot of babble. But ultimately, was what was the market telling you down 20%? Nothing. Didn't tell you but, but that, that's the thing. I agree. I, I like to listen to the market. I like to read the tape, so to speak. But there's false signals from it. I think that's the proper word. There's, right. there's, there's false signals because I like to do eyewitness weather, right? WKRP in Cincinnati. You remember that oh, eyewitness yeah. weather? Less than oh my gosh! He's like, I'm going to report the weather. I'm going to look out the window and report the weather. Five year old. So, so when the, yeah, <laughs> thank you. I am, but, but I'm getting wiser. You know, yeah, with, me too. With, with age comes comes, comes <laughs> brilliance, my good friend. And I'm still not there yet. Um, but I look out the window of, the, of, of my core studio here, and I see cranes in the sky. I see all kinds of leased vehicles. I see backhoes. I see compressors. I see cranes. I see people walking with 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 knapsacks, I see activity. I see econ- now again. I'm biased. I'm in Toronto. I said to Jack Jackson, "You know, you're, you're a very narrow view." I said, "Look, I can expand. <laughs> I will go to Minden in, in, in a few weeks and go to Halliburton." 
cottage country. I'm just joking around. It's like you go to the Adirondacks. But yeah, right. I don't know if you get a lot of cues when you go to the Adirondacks of what's going on in real America. Well, you uh, kind of do because how many people are buying snowmobiles? How many people are buying boats? How many people are buying discretionary items? I think it's really important to see what people actually do and what they say. It's I find more research on a weekend coffee party or, or cocktail party than I do staring at charts for four hours. Yeah, yeah, I want Jack to get over to A&W and do some market research and tell me what he thinks of those uh, onion rings. I've been challenging him with those onion rings at A&W. So I agree with you. Uh, boots on the ground, um, Peter Lynch, one up on Wall Street. Yeah, to just, just walk around and use your own common sense. You'll come up with some good conclusions. Uh, delight to have Tony Dwyer in studio. Going to pay some bills, get right back with our chief investment strategist at Canaccord Genuity right after this. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Life would be back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. What do you think, Tony? Enough cowbell? You like you got 10 heads because A, she doesn't know the music and she's wondering about you. You, you know, you're right there. You know, my, my friend, Brit, we love Brittany here. And Jack and I are going to put Brittany on a financial plan, but um, she is so young or I'm so old with her music picks. Uh, I'm, I might as well play some swing for her or some big band. I don't know. Uh, who knows? But hey, what's old is new, I guess. Hey? Um, don't fear the Reaper. Uh, again, we spoke about that. The Reaper ends up on the media very, very soon after any sign of dislocation and the perma bears come out and scare the bejeebies out of long-term investors. I think they're doing a disservice to average, everyone says to me, Wolf, please, please go to the media, speak to the average person. It gets no more average than advising the average Canadian that you have to begin investing. You must first work, save, and invest. And when you invest, here is the big challenge, is yourself, your emotions, and the reaper. Right? The Grim Reaper is going to come on television saying the world's coming to an end and you're going to sell at the bottom and then come back and buy at the top. And sell at the bottom buy, as opposed to start young, buy the, buy the diamonds, buy the SPY, do it every single paycheck until you stop working. That's right. And don't ever say, you will be rich. I, I, I guarantee it you'll be rich in 65 years. And if not, well, I'll pay the difference. And say, no problem. I'm happy to do that. <laughs> well, you know, I was in uh, I was in the UK at one of our wealth management offices there in Guernsey. And in Guernsey, there's an incredible fishing community. And it was at the time where Brexit was really, it's obviously hot on today's world, but it really become hot. Um, and nobody knew what was going to happen. And it, it, the quote was that the, the British people are thinking, right? So I looked, I went out for a boat ride with the, the branch manager and there was a fisherman out there. And I asked, I asked the branch manager, I go, do you think he's thinking about Brexit or do you think he's thinking about how many um, fish are he's going to catch? <laughs> and I think we have to remember right. that you know, the day-to-day -day activity that we go through is much more important than the boogeyman that can come and get you. It is. And as most people know, 99% of fear right. doesn't come true. Correct. I learned now, that there are times ago. to be scared. Now, there are times to be scared. I don't want to portray like there's never any issues. But most of the time, you really have to have evidence that back it. And the evidence always comes in the form of credit. Do the people listening to your program that invest with you guys have the opportunity, or people walking on the street in the knapsacks here in Toronto, do they have the opportunity to get credit and have access to money? And I want to stop right there. I want those people to first and foremost stop it 
and begin saving some money and then get some credit. But first save, pay yourself first. We got us, we have to change this mindset of spend and save what's left. No, we got to save and then spend what's left. It's so, so important and we can't stop it. Back to the, back to the Grim Reaper. Um, so there has been some fear just recently with the yield curve inverting, and that's on the three-month, the 10-year, which uh, we talked about. So um, Short-term interest rates short-term being above long-term interest rates, that's called yield curve inversion. It's all, the, it's all the rage right now. Apparently, according to Bespoke, in fact, it's a cool kid on the block. Yield curve inversion? Follow it. It's a cool kid on the block. The equity market follows it, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's pretty funny. So, so, Tony, you follow the 2 to 10-year, which has not inverted. But either way, um, things are slowing down globally. Um, the, the curve has flattened, so to speak. Uh, before, you had the productivity trade in terms of sectors. So you, ha- you liked the financials, you liked technology, you liked yep. um, industrials, and I think you liked energy as well. Um, what are your favorite sectors right now? And um, do you still see that productivity trade continuing? I, I do. I, I don't think... What's happened over the course that's almost, that inverted that one part of the yield curve, the three-month and, and 10-year is that the 10-year dropped so much in yield, and the Fed didn't change. They affected deposit rates, so that has created that inversion. But what's the impact, Jack, of that 10-year dropping so much? Is it re-kickstarts a refinance cycle and a lending cycle, which is how you get the capital investment? Yeah, even here even here in Canada, I think the, uh, the five-year mortgage is down 50 basis points, so half a percent from the beginning of the year. So housing market in the U.S. was a bit troubled last year. I think rates have come down, so it'll certainly help those home builders and, and people looking to get mortgages. So, and it also it also creates demand for short-term paper. So think about it. If, if the five-year U.S. Treasury yields 2.12% and the two-year Treasury yields um, 2.434%, which one are you going to buy? Yeah, the shorter You're going to buy the shorter data one that has a higher yield. Though. Yeah. So, so this naturally fixes itself, but again, it's imperative that the Fed acknowledges the economy has slowed down, and our calls from a couple of months ago is they're going to ease this year, and I think this whole thing kickstarts a little bit more economic activity. So, 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 you think, so you think the financials will be okay because they have got hit hard uh, this, but in the last yeah. couple of weeks they got hit really hard actually, um, and that's all because of um, the potential for credit to shut down. Well, going back to what Wolf said a little bit ago about when things are tanking, maybe it's not the right time to be a seller, and even if you don't like the financials. When they have this sharp of a decline, it historically you don't want to feed into it. If you do want to sell them, you wait for a bounce. You wait for a bounce. Look, if you're if you're an active trader, if you got a lot of money, if if you're not the average Canadian, if you're the one percent or ten percent, five percent, sure, you can try to play at the periphery and outsmart the market and bull chance to you. And Jack and I try that every now and then. I I know how difficult it is. I've tried it. The average Canadian, don't worry, just stay on your savings and investing program. The, the compounded rate I talked to you about of the S&P 500, Tony, because this is important, um, of, of compounding at 12% over the last 68 years, came with it a whole lot of butt-kicking, shall we say. A lot of puke-fest took place, right? You had the 2000, the, the granddaddy of them all in the, since, since post-Second uh, World War, which is the financial crisis of 2008. And guess what? We survived it. There was a recession for a couple months, and we got over it. But the, again, toll boost, the economy. Jack's got a toll booth that he goes by every single morning. He's called Tim Hortons. Come, come, hell or high water. Jack's getting his little Timmy's. And they keep raising the price on me too. Every right. year, they keep they're, chipping. They're, yep, yep. About buying a nickel or so. Yep. And you know, my cell phone bills gets bigger, not smaller. And 
I continue to consume, and my kids, of course. Household formation is, 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 again, a concept that you brought to my attention. Millennials, and Brittany's a millennial, millennials are buying, they're getting married, they're buying homes. I'm seeing the mortgages. I'm seeing clients with $600,000 more. Hey, well, I just upsized my home. Ironically, $600,000 mortgage at 3% means you're paying 18 grand a year in interest. Tony, when I bought my first home, interest rate, and I'm old. Interest rates were 11 and three quarter percent on a $150,000 mortgage. I paid as much interest as a millennial is today well, at $600,000. I have the same experience. I, I bought mine in 1996. I had a third of the debt that I have on my current mortgage, and I paid, I'm paid. i paying less now than I did then. Yeah, you, have, you had a third of the amount of debt, yeah. and you're paying less in interest now. Correct. Yeah. But uh, a hell, uh, sorry, no, heck no, of a lot right. more in taxes. <laughs> you, you can say hell. This is high five, right? We're okay up here in Canada. We're not going to kick you off for saying that, that word. Uh, it, beats say, it beats saying recession. I hate that word. That's the word we got to forbode. Oh, that is definitely a Oh, recession. They, they come, they go. And and, and they're, they're, they're not even that close to anybody. They used to get a recession every four years. We get a recession every decade now. Another one's coming. Another one's going to bite the dust, but we're going to move on. Look, we're going to go pay some bills, get right back with Tony Dwyer, uh, our lead man on Wall Street right after this. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Oh, yeah. Brittany, do you know this song? From movies. Okay, well, that's good. That's, that's what happens to the, uh, the classics. They end up selling them and monetizing them. It's a good business. The royal, I love royalty businesses. Uh, Tony Dwyer in studio. Uh, he is our bull, um, <laughs> our chief strategist. Uh, he's our favorite bull. He's been right. So he's been, right. he's been on the right side of the trade. So uh, we, we, you know, we followed his guidance. And um, we'll, we'll see when he gets bearish. Hopefully we, it's uh, it was hard in, in, in a timely manner. It was hard in December. Oh, I mean, it was hard in 16. It was, was hard in 11, Tony. It was I, hard in but, but Tony, Tony, you talk about your process. We had a meeting with you uh, just this morning, and you talked about your process. And part of your process and your thesis is you try and prove yourself wrong every time, every every morning that you wake up. So what gave you confidence back in December that we were not going into recession? Because Wolfgang and I followed that advice. And it was the right advice. We have not gone in recession. The market's come back right. quite nicely. We didn't nicely. sell. We didn't well, panic. We hung on to our positions. And our accounts are up double digit. And we're, we're only a quarter into the year. So it was the right advice for us and our clients. We do appreciate that. And what, what gave you that confidence, I guess, my question. I, I tell you, it, it's hard. I'd be lying if I said I was highly confident. It was a pretty scary time. But I was talking to a bank CEO, and I asked him how how lending looked. And he, he just said, Tony, I, I don't understand it. I'm I, Trying to lend is I'm trying to lend more. I'm not trying to lend less. And right there told me that there's plenty of available money for people to get. People have to understand what you're saying here, Tony. What you're saying is money is the grease for the machine. It, it is it is fata for the machine or fuel for the fata. A lot of people right? here work for companies or have their own companies. A lot of your clients are, you know, small businesses. If people didn't buy their stuff, they wouldn't have a business. And people can't buy this and stuff. you can't buy this right. stuff we, without we, money. We're out of the barter system. I say we, we live in a leveraged economy. When that leverage gets shut down, and again, that's what you spoke to us this morning about, when that leverage shuts down, when the, the credit shuts down, it's not available to people, so does the economy. That's right. So let's say somebody's working two jobs, and they're trying to do it because they want to have a certain lifestyle. If there's not two jobs available, you can't afford that lifestyle. right? People don't work two jobs generally um, unless they have to for the lifestyle that they want. Everybody can make a choice. I could retire tomorrow if I stop spending like I spend. Mm-hmm. 
right? So um, if there's no available money to spend, I can't do it. And that's what makes the economy go around. So really the listeners have to, what I focus on is what create, what makes people want to spend money? And it's optimism. And, and to your point, Wolfie, how many newspapers or, or internet sites have you gone to that has the has the dad pushing here, here, his yeah. son or daughter? 300,000 the- planes land safely today. That's going to be the story today, folks. <laughs> right. We landed 300,000. Great. You're going to be one of those planes. You're going to fly yes, today I and am. land your plane. I am, I and hope. God bless, it's going to be a safe landing, my good friend. But would that sell newspapers? They proved no. no. We, two, two, we had one crash in the last 18 months. That's the story. Well, Unfortunately, that's true. But you're kind of when when you're bullish and you're optimistic and you tell everybody that everything's okay, you're kind of the village idiot in the room. But that's what you said to me. You basically would get beat up on Wall Street if you're an optimist. Well, you yeah. Well, but, but, but I say so Tony, our, our intro song makes you feel good. That's an optimistic song. A little slow pace. It's a great song. Tony. You're it's also being song. bullish. I would say ten years into the cycle, which makes it potentially treacherous if you're wrong because it could certainly roll over from these levels and be in a recession and have a bit of egg on your face, right? Well, people keep saying that we're 10 years into a bull market and I, I absolutely think that's incorrect. I, I agree. Would say, I, 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 agree I would say an economic had, expansion though. Okay, and an economic expansion for sure. Yes. But let's let's talk about We've had two declines of 20%. 19. And one of 15. We had a 19.8 in 2011. We had a 15% in 2016. Yep. Uh, we, and we had a 20% in what, the fourth but that, quarter. I would say what did the S&P fall this time, by the way? I just want it was to 20%. Was, was, did it hit yeah, two it hit zero? Are you yeah. sure? Yep. Not 19.8, 19.9? Yep, I, I know Nasdaq was 23. Yeah, I think it actually 20. was just below two zero. I think it was. Uh, Dow got down 20. I'll check it. I'll yeah, check it. I semantics, think it but yeah. it's just funny. It is funny. I, it's not funny because it's the scary story. Scary no, it is funny because from but, making, uh, being able to afford the things that. They but have. I want to go back to where I say it's funny. This, this again, Jack brought up a very, very good point to us. There's a there's a concept called the PE ratio, the price earnings ratio. What that means, investors, my friends out there, pay attention. It's important. The PE ratio, commonly used phrase, means what price are you willing to pay for a dollar earnings? So if the Royal Bank uh, makes ten dollars a share and you're willing to pay ten times earnings, you're going to pay a hundred bucks for Royal Bank stock. So P, price of stock, E on the denominator, earnings per company, per earnings per share. Um, the PE is so important because that, that is the number that is set by emotion, set by human beings. Are we willing to pay 30 times earnings, 50 times earnings, or six times earnings? And again, the stock market in its steps can trade at six times earnings and have a dividend yield greater than the PE. The average PE for the stock market is about 15. But Three out of four times when the market has a puke fest, nothing happens to earnings. It's just sentiment. It's people saying, I don't want to pay 15 times right. earnings. I want to pay 10 times earnings. And that is where there's a disconnect between practical business. Jack's going to go to Tim Hortons every day. And, oh, my God, I'm going to discount that by 25%. Well, I think people have to remember when they buy individual stocks, are you buying a symbol or are you buying a company? Capital- buying a, yeah, right. Capitalism was built on wanting to be a partner in a company that you didn't wholly own. Right. But yet, fractional fractional ownership. That's but right. it doesn't mean you have to trade it. You can. Hold. No, you're supposed to. It was built on a system that where you were supposed to hold it, and, and you know it's very easy to tell to to handle a company you don't like. You can sell it stock in the company you don't like. Correct. Exactly right. Uh, we we had a client, a client, you know, buy a product and then want to buy the stock. And I said, you know something? The product is a great product, but the stock is grossly overvalued. Don't you buy both. 
back in, uh, I think it was 1991, Upjohn came out with Rogaine, which was going to fix baldness, which, as you can see, I'm phallically uh, I tried challenged. that. I tried that. Are you kidding <laughs> me? I think we all tried to, try to do that. I did. Jack got the best story on it. I, 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 thought, I thought it was going to work for the stock, and I got absolutely annihilated and I, so Jack, We're out of time, but Jack, I want you to tell us your Rogaine story. It's a brilliant one. You know the one? Oh, I, I tried it. It didn't work. No, um, up in the Muskokas. You're, you're a little working. jogging up in the Muskokas. What happened to you? Yeah, I was jogging out in the Muskokas. I had all these like flies flying around the top of my head, and I said, you know what? I think this is probably not for me. If that's doing, if that's attracting the flies, what's it doing inside? So I said, forget it. He was attracting <laughs> bugs with the, the hair on your neck, yeah. bro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness me. All right, no more fun. No more fun is right. <laughs> my good friends, don't fear the reaper. By quality, stick to your program. You must save. That is the most important message I can give you in 2019. And you must save, I hate to use the cliche, for the long run. Over the entire working career, stocks outperform bonds over decades. Over minutes, it's erratic, it's emotional, it's unpredictable. The PE can go from 30 to 15 in a nanosecond. Mean reversion is what matters most. Warren Buffett nailed it. Tony Dwyer. It's a real pleasure having you in studio. Thanks Jack for is always me, great job. Always yep. fun. And everyone have a good weekend. Uh, we will speak with you next week on the Global News Radio Network. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week.